think about, you know, um, startups coming out of a university like Stanford, right? They go find a really big investor, they get whatever, $20 million, and then they make whatever, the next Facebook. That doesn't really happen in Germany. Hello and welcome to Exploring Digital Spheres. My name is Wouter Bernhardt. In today's show, we're going to have a look at digital business models and why it is that Germany seems to be doing really well when it comes to knowledge around artificial intelligence, but not so much when it comes to translating that knowledge into a multi-billion euro tech startup. I'm having a conversation with Jessica Schmeiss, doctoral researcher at the Humboldt Institute, whose research deals primarily with digital entrepreneurship. I'm meeting Jessica at Factory Berlin, one of the main startup campuses in this city. And as it is a gorgeous day, we decide to sit outside in the sun. Jessica, take it away. I spent a couple of months in um, in the U.S. last year, and I realized, you know, it's so much nicer when you go somewhere and you actually can communicate with people in their language. You know, it's very different than going, I don't know, to Asia or to other places where you don't speak the language, and then you're always the foreigner who's, uh, you know, who can't communicate with people like in their natural language. So it's nice, I think. Yeah. You've been to a very specific part of the U.S., California, you know, which has its own buzz, its own atmosphere. Could you maybe tell a little bit about how that was? Uh, yeah, totally. So I uh, spent six months in Stanford as a visiting researcher at the Center for Design Research. Um, and that, of course, in itself is a great experience, right? To be on this campus, to be in um, like a top U.S. university like that, um, it's unlike anything we know here in Europe, right? Like how it's completely different how the university system works. Um, and it's, of course, fascinating because you have Stanford campus around. It is Palo Alto. And that's basically Silicon Valley, right? So um, could you maybe tell me what Palo Alto is? Like I, I've heard it a number of times before, but I don't know exactly what it is. It's uh, a city in Silicon Valley. Um Which is basically the center of Silicon Valley, if you want to put it that way. So Palo Alto um, basically is the city around Stanford campus. And that's where all the big venture capital firms, all the big law firms, all the big like decision makers, most of them have their offices in Palo Alto. And then from there, it sort of branches out into other places, right? So Mountain View, where the Google headquarters is, Menlo Park, Facebook... Um, Cupertino, Apple, like all the different tiny towns where they spread, sort of. Have you have you seen them? Yeah, yeah, it's not far. You can you can even bike. Like, mm -hmm. well, what do you think about that? Like, what was your experience of going to to the Google headquarters or something like that? I mean, it's it's like a city. It's a crazy place. Um, it's very big. Um, there are so many people that work there. And the funny thing is, it doesn't look very important. It's like all of Silicon Valley is these really flat little houses that look very unprestigious. You know, it's not like there's huge buildings that look very, um, very impressive, but it's all these tiny little office buildings um, that are built and Yeah, it, it actually doesn't look as spectacular as a lot of people think. But just, you know, when you go onto the Google campus, you, it, there's this one main street and then there's streets going left and right. And all of that is the Google campus. So it's crazy. Would, would you want to live there? Um, I don't know. I mean, California is nice. Um, it's a nice place. The weather is... It didn't rain a single day. 
the entire time I was there. How long were you there for? Six months. That's, that's, <laughs> yeah. that's pretty impressive. Yes. <laughs> that was pretty impressive. And uh, the nature is beautiful and people spend so much time outside because it's just, you know, they have a very different um, relationship to being outside and being in nature, which I liked. Then again, Silicon Valley itself is quite a crazy place. I mean, everywhere you go, you will probably be one out of two women when you go somewhere. Um And it's a very, um, how do I say, a very, it's a very ambitious place, but it's also built around a lot of anxiety. You know, people are very stressed out about their jobs. They work a lot. And it also has to do with how the system works, right? Because no matter how long you work for a company, they can uh, fire you within two weeks. So within two weeks, it's not like here, right? When I quit my job before I started my PhD, I had to give in a three months notice at the end of the quarter. So it was basically five months until I actually left my job. Um, there it's completely different, right? People are a lot more flexible in switching jobs, but then also always have this little thing of, oh my God, what if I lose my job? Then I can't pay my, my rent. I don't have insurance. What am I going to do, right? So it's, it's, it has this little thing of people being... Uh, a lot more anxious about their um, existence. Now, Jessica didn't just follow the academic path, but actually has some experience herself working in the field of big tech. How I came to actually do this PhD was I worked in marketing for a big tech company for a while before I started my PhD. And um, I've always wanted to go back to university. And then um, this opportunity came up to work at HIG, which is such an interdisciplinary sort of field of research. And... Um, My particular area of research is around business design. So how do you design business models, organizations and ecosystems for novel technologies like blockchain, like AI, things like that? And how, like, what are sort of the things that are happening to make sustainable organizations um, and business models out of that? Could you maybe tell me just a little bit, you said you were working marketing with a big tech startup. Maybe you could talk a little bit about how that is. Like, um, I, I've never worked in a company like that. Um, of course, it was a very um, fast-driven environment, obviously, which is very different to the research world, um, which was quite something to adapt to when I started doing the PhD. Um, and of course, uh, it's very, you know, it's like one day you will go to work and do your job and then the next day you'll come in and everything turned 180 degrees and then you were like ah okay let's do you know so it's it's very um it was a lot of fun it was very fast a fast pace very you know very driven a lot of very smart very nice people um and i did that for about four years and then i decided sort of okay um i came to the point where i was like okay i i know how this job works And I kind of want to do something where I can go more into depth of what I do and, you know, sort of be a little bit more analytical. And I think uh, thinking back about the last three years, that's what my PhD has taught me, right, to really dive deep into a topic and understand it very quickly, you know, these complex sort of relationships between things and be like, oh, yes, wait, okay, that's, you know, that's sort of what the basic mechanism of how this works. Because when you're, once you're in it, you're sort of in the bubble, right? And it's a very, like, demanding job and it's fun and, you know, you know all the people and then all, all of a sudden all your friends work in the tech scene and, you know, you sort of are in this bubble 
Um, and at some point, you don't really see what's outside of the bubble anymore. And I think um, that's what's been super interesting for me is also being here in Berlin, right? Meeting policymakers, meeting lawyers, meeting people who have different perspectives on what's happening there. And also me as a researcher, right? Taking a step back and looking at it from like a more holistic um, view has been super interesting to sort of combine these two perspectives. Uh, you said um, German German companies might be lagging behind a little bit. They're lagging behind a little bit in terms of use of artificial intelligence. Maybe you can talk a little bit about why that is and um, what kind of things they're specifically lagging behind too. Mm. Uh, we've been working on this project called Demystifying AI, where we're looking at uh, how German startups are using AI technology to solve certain problems. And what we see as a common thread sort of um, in the startup ecosystem in Germany is that we do have a lot of really good research on technologies like AI, for example. We have a lot of leading researchers in university who get a lot of funding, who do really great work um, on developing sort of the core technologies that are, you know, that are important. But then what's sort of lacking in, in Germany a little bit is transferring this knowledge into actually uh, sustainable functioning business models. So that's something that we've seen where there's sort of this little bit of transfer lacking at the moment um, where, you know, we do see quite a few um, startups that are coming out of universities, but then they lack sort of the investors, the support, um, anything they would need to make their technology really big, right? Think about, you know, um, startups coming out of a university like Stanford, right? They go find a really big investor, they get whatever, $20 million, and then they make whatever, the next Facebook. Um, that doesn't really happen in Germany, right? Why, why is that? Because the system is a little bit different. Um, there's different ways to access capital, and there's um, also a different mindset of people. And also, um, we have a problem in Germany that we're so Uh, fragmented, right? Our industry is so fragmented. And a lot of these startups are developing technology um, out of universities in, I don't know, Munich, Karlsruhe, you know, like wherever. Um, but then, of course, the people who can give you the money are either investors who usually sit here in Berlin, or it will be big companies, you know, like BMW, Siemens, like all the big sort of um, German uh, conglomerates. Um, but then, of course, they will sit somewhere else, right? So we usually have um, this problem of connecting people in the right way. Um, and that has really been a challenge that is yet to be solved, I think. Um, you were saying um, there is a lot of research on artificial intelligence in Germany, mm -hmm. um, but somehow it doesn't really translate into good business models. Could you maybe give me an example of something that is really well-researched, but it just doesn't seem to be finding any proper purpose? It's not like it doesn't find any good purpose. It's more like um, we're, I feel like German researchers are contributing a lot to base technologies, you know, like deep learning, uh, machine learning, like all the sort of base technologies that are under AI. Um, a lot of that has been developed in, in Germany or is being developed and researched in Germany. But then have we seen any really big AI startup that has come out of this? So far, we're still looking for one. Um, and that's sort of what I mean, right? That um, it feels like that happens a lot of times that a lot of these base technologies are developed in Germany and then um, other companies will monetize it 
and find business models to actually monetize that technology. We do see increasing um, sort of uh, investments uh, from both private and public sector at the moment, uh, especially into the AI uh, sector. But it's not only about that, it's also about structural things, right? How do I actually match the right investor? How do I find them? How do I contact them? But then also... Um, you know, having the right skill sets to actually build a functioning business model, right? Um, so you will have uh, researchers, developers out of university who uh, know how to develop the technology, but then you actually need to find someone who knows how to market it, right? How to build a business model around it. And that's been a challenge, you know, to sort of put all these pieces together. Um, and I feel like most of the pieces are there. It's just a question of putting them together in the right way. What we want to do is actually look at a list of all German AI startups and classify them into um, the by the problems that they're solving. So we're looking at what kind of problem is it that they're solving? How do they use AI technology to do that? And then um, what business model sort of comes out of it? You, you talk about an AI startup. What is that? Is that? I have no idea exactly what I have to picture with that. So um, how we've defined it is um, it's a startup that was founded within the last 10 years. So that's sort of what a startup is, right? It's a new company. And it has to be a company that uses some form of artificial intelligence, be it machine learning, natural language processing, image recognition, whatever, whatever, um, to develop a certain solution for a problem. Are, are there a lot of those in Germany? So um, it depends on what sort of report you're looking at, but we do have around 140, 150 startups, um, and we've seen an explosion of those startups within the last two years. So 2016, 17, 18 really um, saw a big increase in startups actually starting to develop marketable solutions um, for problems. And the interesting thing is what we see is um, about 60% of these startups, right, they look at um, uh, basically what they do is they use the AI technology as a um, as a service, right? So they develop a certain technology, and then they offer this technology as a service to other companies to help them either develop a product or service or optimize their business processes, right? And then an example for a startup who um, addresses business processes could be a startup that does does accounting software for um, companies or it does um, a chat bought for customer service um, there's a lot happening in the marketing space in um, automated AI based um, online marketing bidding things like that right so and then only about a third of the startups um, will actually develop um, end user facing solutions right so apps or anything that an actual end user can go on their phone and use a lot of the other things will be a little bit further down the value chain um, to develop and the question then is how innovative are the business models that they're developing right because what they essentially are are suppliers to other companies who are developing AI solutions now let me ask you I understand what you're saying so they're providing a service instead of making their actual own product who cares why do we need more startups who make their own product um, because an important point so um, Reports say that AI could raise the GDP in Germany as a whole by 11% by 2030. Um, 
And a lot of this growth, right, in GDP will not come from process optimization, like optimizing accounting processes in firms or optimizing customer service. It will come from developing uh, new and innovative business models based on this technology. So um, that's sort of where the startups come in, right? And that's why it's a little bit concerning. It's understandable that a lot of the startups are still working within sort of this optimization space. But um, where the trend should go um, in the next few years is actually developing more innovative business models and getting out of a sort of supplier mode into something that is actually an end user facing product, which is a holistic product um, that puts a technology into a functioning business model. I read a little bit about what you're doing, your research. Uh, you seem to also have been working with the government a little bit, uh, so trying to find ways for the government to be instrumental in this process. Uh, where if I think about Silicon Valley, I think it's a, like almost one of the least government-operated systems. Um, how do you think that works? Where, what role should the government take? And should it maybe not just be more driven from the private sector itself? That is actually a good point because um, the first thing I noticed when I came back from Silicon Valley, so in Silicon Valley, especially on Stanford campus, everyone can uh, code TensorFlow, which is the programming language behind a lot of the AI applications, right? And they just have an idea and they're like, oh yeah, sure, let's just write some code and let's see what happens. And then you come back to Germany and the first thing people ask is, oh my God, can this be hacked? Oh my God, what's going to be the impact on jobs? You know, so the perspective in Germany and the discourse in Germany on um, AI is very different, which has a lot to do with the role of the government and sort of how our society is structured. And honestly, um, I think those are two ends of the spectrum. And I think the truth is somewhere in the middle, right? So I think um, the US could benefit from a little bit more regulation and a little bit more sort of concern around you know how this will actually impact things i think that's what i meant that you know the truth is somewhere in the middle and it's actually an essential point in um, the ai strategy of uh, the german government is to develop what they call a european answer to data-driven business models um which of course is sort of that, right? So how do do we from our values and our societal structure sort of develop functioning business models that um, will address this? Um, then of course, uh, I still think we're a long way from that at the moment, right? So because we're still sort of Uh, not thinking big enough in many ways, I think. And um, that's what we're hoping to contribute as well with this project is sort of shed a little bit of light on um, who, um, who actually develops AI in Germany, with what intention, what business model, why do they do it, right? Because I feel like there is a lot of discourse in Germany on um, AI, on how the impact it will have on jobs, on future of work, on society... But what we're missing a little bit is actually understanding the mechanisms behind it, right? So um, usually AI is viewed as this kind of black box that sort of falls from the sky and then it sits there and then it has an impact on something, right? But that's not true, right? Someone sits in front of a computer with a certain idea, a certain motivation, a certain intention. And I think that's something that we need to understand better, right? Is to understand better... Um, That's why we call it demystifying AI, right? Sort of, it's not demystifying the technology itself, but it's demystifying the entrepreneurial process behind developing novel AI solutions. 
Um, I saw that you wrote that the German had this idea uh, to make itself uh, the leading in artificial intelligence, uh, trying to really focus on that business. Do you see that as um, a, poss a possibility? Does, does Germany have the potential to do that? I think we do. Um, I think there's a few things that are still missing to actually make it happen, but it's not too late yet. Um, we see that you know a few countries like the U.S., like China, like Israel, they're a little bit further ahead sometimes um, in actually making it happen. But uh, we have the advantage that we have a really strong established industry um, that we can tap into, which is very particular, right? We have a lot of, as I said, these B2B sectors, these really big sort of important um, sectors. And if we find ways to actually um, develop a sustainable and scale, internationally scalable business models um, within that setting, I think then we still have um, like a good chance to be, uh, you know, like play an important role in this. But um, it, ha it still requires a lot of work and a lot of sort of insights and a lot of steps need to be taken. But I think um, we are starting to see that things are going into the right direction. That was Jessica Schmeiss. Her new research project, Demystifying AI, has seen liftoff, which means that if you're interested, you can find the link below in the show notes. As always, more information about the Humboldt Institute, its current research, life events, lecture series, all that and more at hiig.de. Ladies and gentlemen, this was episode 9 already, and we really hope that you're enjoying the show. If you do, just let us know. You can send us your feedback on Twitter or Facebook. And of course, we'd be very thrilled if you'd leave us a rating on iTunes. It's super easy and it would help us a lot. That's all for now. In the next episode, Christian Graufogel speaks with Marlene Sticker. They will be talking about the Fairphone and dive into the concept of the smart citizen in the smart city. This was Exploring Digital Spheres. Catch you on the flip side.